Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. This is going to be huge. Welcome. You are locked on the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angsted, media member at an undisclosed location at the moment, and I am here flying solo tonight, this morning, or whenever you're listening to this. I am by myself. Isaac Harris is too busy being a family man, being a Game of Thrones. He's probably, you know what? He's probably just drunk off Game of Thrones from last night because didn't he talk about that enough on the podcast last night? Holy cow. All right. So there's some news. There's actually some Mavericks news, and it may not be the news that you want. <laughs> it may not be the news that you're expecting. Maybe some of you are expecting it, but there is some news. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about, uh, I'm going to give you a little Nerlens update. Now, spoiler alert, that's not the news. I'm also going to, uh, as we promised yesterday, talk to you about and share with you the audio that I got with uh, one of Dennis Smith Jr.'s AAU coaches. His name's Daryl Harris. He was very nice and awesome to talk with me. He was super excited. And uh, so we're going to talk to him a little bit later via four days ago <laughs> at, um, at Adidas Uprising in South Carolina. And so we're going to talk to him. And then there was this post on Reddit. And a lot of you know, if you're on Reddit, you probably know my and you listen to this show. You probably know what my username is. And so I, I peruse Reddit a lot. I, I enjoy Reddit. I like the, you know, the different topics and I like the upvoting, you know, concept. And I just, I believe in the, you know, the whole system of it. I just think that it's a good way to promote good content, good way to promote the stories that people are talking about. And I think if you just look through Reddit, you can make a whole show just by the front page of Reddit. <laughs> if there are enough people posting that day. So there's this post on Reddit that I really want to get to. And it involves Dennis Smith Jr. And it involves Mark Cuban as well. So if you do peruse Mavs, you know, Mavs Reddit, you probably already know what I'm what I'm talking about, but I'll get to that later in the show. So continue listening. And then uh, I might get to something a little bit later with a, a national Mavericks Dallas sports person that somehow quote, to, quote tweeted me in a way. And it, I think it brings up a, a bigger conversation that I want to get to. So, all right. That's what we're talking about on the show, and tomorrow, Isaac will be back, and we have this big conversation about another Reddit comment that we got on the last Locked On Mavs that I posted, and I thought it was fascinating. It was about, it was in reference to the conversation I had with myself, and then later with Isaac, (laughs) conversation with myself, about how, about... You know Dennis Smith Senior versus La- versus Lavar Ball, and then other fathers in the NBA, and the, you know the the players that are fatherless. And it was a really good comment, and it wasn't mean or anything like that. But he really called me out, called us out. You know, gave us an article to read, so we're reading that, and we both really wanted to talk about this. It was by uh, Young Buck Twenty Ten. So thanks so much for commenting on 
uh, Reddit. And so if you are on Reddit and you see us post Locked On, it's probably from us. And if you if you comment, we'll read them. So if you want to tell us how terrible we are, then we will say thanks for listening because that's how you find out if we're terrible or not. And, and numbers count either way. So thanks so much for listening, guys. And just comment, and we'll get those on Reddit. You can also talk to us by tweeting us. I check tweets far too much. Ask my wife. My uh, Twitter handle is at Nick Van Exit. Isaac's is at Isaac Harris NBA. You can tweet him right now. Tweet him right now and tell Isaac that he should get back on the dang podcast. That's what we should do. Uh, all right. So your Nerlens update for today. Eddie Sefko did a you know Dallas Morning News chat question and answer type thing. And while some of these are just trying to you know fill time and stuff, and I get it. I, I you know I'm there. <laughs> I totally understand. We've done Twitter question you know question and answers reddit amas those things like that we've you know we've done we've done stuff like that to try to fill time so he's doing stuff like that and the question was do you think nerland's just end up signing a qualifying offer at this point or is a max contract or something between and then eddie sefko responded something in between i don't see him taking the qualifying offer that money can be made up on the back end but still at his age and with the knee and the knee history that's a gamble he doesn't need to take the mavericks will continue to play hardball with their offer since other options appear to be dried up for noel and we have discussed this this is not new news that the money is dried up for nerland's noel it's not new news that he has you know in uh, no problems with his knees but the combination of the two is kind of interesting because if you think about it on nerland's noel's point and for a lot of players you, 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 we've seen players, they've had you know crazy injuries and get signed a lot of money. There's a player right now on the Dallas Mavericks roster that had a really bad injury that derails a lot of careers, and he got signed for close to almost the max, and that's Wes Matthews. Wes Matthews came in with his knee injury. We saw Chandler freaking Parsons go to the Grizzlies and literally get signed to a max deal with all these knee injury, with all this knee stuff, and... So the idea that a that knee injury history would hold him back at what point and and it could be this point this could be the point right now but at what point will teams say all right I can't have this player <laughs> I can't have this type of player anymore eating up all my salary cap space with these potential you know injury problems or with you know being injury prone or you know having just lingering issues at what point are they going to say all right the guy with this kind of history, we are we're not going to go with anymore. And once that happens, I will believe that knee injury history has something to do with his max deal. But until then, I don't think it is going to have anything to do with it. We we saw Chandler Parsons. We've seen other players throughout the years get you know big deals. Blake Griffin is another guy that just got signed to a massive deal, and he's had really bad injuries. He's had these you know, problems with, with knees and arms, you know, all kinds of stuff, feet and stuff like that. Kevin Durant had, you know, broken foot and all that stuff that he was dealing with. And, and, uh, foot injuries to seven foot guys is, are never good, (laughs) are never, ever good. But for Kevin Durant, he came back, he's playing through it and he, you know, he's doing well. And so does the knee injury history have something to do with the fact that, you know, teams didn't go for Nerlens Noel? Maybe. Also, we've also talked about on this show how, the offer for Nerlens Noel, if if the best offer came from the Mavericks, if, if we're if we're going under the assumption that the best offer came from the Mavericks, then his value must have been really low at the trade deadline when the Mavericks acquired him. Justin Anderson, and a buyout per- candidate, and Andrew Bogut, and basically two second round picks, that is is pretty low for a guy that you know people think and I thought might 
potentially get a max offer from somebody or get signed to a max offer from somebody. So the money is drying up for Nerlens. They're playing hardball. It's just this back and forth. We're just going to have to bunker down and deal with it. <laughs> it's just kind of the way that it is right now. We're still waiting on Nerlens. And as soon as that happens, you know Isaac and I are going to have an emergency pod. We're going to talk about it. It's probably going to be rehashing a lot of the things we've already said because we've talked about this so much. So incredibly much we've talked about this. But just think, it'll happen. He's restricted. It's going to happen. And if it doesn't, then it's going to be something's going to come out. <laughs> and, and that's something that nobody is even thinking about right now. It's not something that anybody is even remotely knows about or, you know, nothing reported or nothing heard anywhere. You know, all indications say that the two teams are just kind of playing hardball with each other. And that's what Eddie's saying in this. So I agree with him. Yeah, the, the money is drying up. They're playing hardball, you know, and that's what you should do. That's what business is. Business is trying to get the best offer for, you know, the, the service that you're getting and the, for the best service, right? And so if you're on the business side, if you're the Mavericks, you're saying, well, I want this player for less money because I know he can give me this much and then I can do this these other things with this money. And the player's like, I want that much money because my, you know, I can take care of my family for life with that much money. <laughs> of course. I mean, I don't really have to explain why Nerlens Noel would want more money, I don't think. But maybe I do. Maybe we do have to explain that because in Dallas and for the Mavericks that – uh, Dirk Nowitzki has taken so many pay cuts. <laughs> We've seen him over the years, and there's a big story that came out about it, and that graphic that got tweeted out, I think, by the Washington Post, and I think I've said that exact sentence twice now on this podcast, but they got tweeted out that you just see the, the line graph about the discrepancy between how much he could have gotten paid and how much he was paid. Now, for Dirk... And for Mavs fans and for the Mavericks, you cannot look at that as a given and cannot look at that as a requirement for a player to become either your favorite player or beloved or a legend or anything like that. That can't be a requirement for a player. That is just a ridiculous thing to ask of a player because the, these billionaires are making money. Mark Cuban is making money off the Mavericks. The Mavericks have this sellout streak, and they're not just—they're not just losing money on it. They also have this TV deal. And guess what? Even if the Mavericks were losing money, they would still get money because of revenue sharing. <laughs> That's still a thing. The teams still share revenue, and so even the bottom teams, you know, share revenue, or you know, have to be shared revenue with <laughs> they get revenue from the teams that you know the golden state warriors and the Cavs make tons of money and the warriors man they just print money so they're all making money and so to try to ask these players that are you know as jalen rose likes to put it rich and not wealthy like the owners are he talks about that the difference between those two statements that those play you know the players are, are rich the owners are wealthy and to try to take money off somebody or to or to just demand that a player should take less money is sort of like a look in the mirror and would you ever make that decision? <laughs> no, there's no way you would make that decision and give up that much money. Now, probably every single person listening to this will not be in a scenario where they're going to give up millions and millions of dollars to play for a basketball team and give it up to somebody else. But there could be a sacrificial situation in your job somewhere. But to give up that much money, do not hold that against Nerlens for trying to get the biggest offer that he can. Just don't. Just don't. It shouldn't It shouldn't be a requirement from Mavs fans to Mavs players to do that just because Dirk has. Dirk is a complete outlier. There is just like, you know, we've talked about how the Spurs are an outlier in the way that they've built the organization, how the Mavericks were an outlier for forever. 
making the playoffs all those years in a row, you know, going to the finals twice, winning the final. I mean, winning a title is at, is an outlier in the NBA. Daryl Morey has this quote that I've I've badly said several times that, you know, once they once the, Adam Silver figures out a way for other teams to be successful without winning the title, then we will stop, you know, trying all these things and we'll stop trying to, you know, trying to win and or, or doing doing what we're doing, doing it in the way that we are. So, until that happens, don't hold it against players to do anything they can to get the best deal for them because it's also going to their family too. I'm sure Nerlens has, you know, you know, family that could also use this and you know, I'm sure that people will be calling on his door and I'm sure they already have, but yeah, don't hold it against Nerlens. All right, here is our news of the day. Dennis Smith Jr has been named to the first team all summer league now yay <laughs> i mean what does that what does that even mean a lot of people probably are just saying gosh does that even i mean does that even mean anything what is that for what's the point i mean it's just summer league and yeah sure it's just summer league but it's also super fun and super awesome and isn't it better that he be named to the summer league <laughs> to the all summer league first team than not and him be a big disappointment of course that's why you should that's why it should matter so the first team, all summer league, Dennis Smith Jr., Lonzo Ball, who, you know, didn't play a, a ton going, you know, missed a couple games, but still is just an incredible player and, and it's going to be really good in the league. John Collins from Atlanta, Josh Jackson from Phoenix, and Caleb Swanigan from Portland, who is balling out and is probably going to average a, a double-double and probably already has by the time you're listening to this. I'm recording this at about 940 uh, on Monday night and the game is being played right now. I'm seeing the tweets coming in from all the Lakers people. Gosh, they just destroy. If I, I try to follow a lot of NBA writers and people from every single team and there's just so many Lakers ones and they just fill your timeline. Anytime something happens, if Zubak gets a dunk, like a really good dunk, my timeline just literally just says Zubak just from top to bottom. <laughs> it's just insane how many writers there are for the Lakers. They're just, man. And they all make good numbers and all this stuff. It's, it's crazy. The, the amount of, you know, fan interest there is in the Lakers, even when they're terrible. So, and then the second team was Czech Diallo from the Pelicans, Bryn Forbes, who, if you remember last year against the Mavericks, scored 30-something points, hit a ton of threes in AAC, Kyle Kuzma of the Lakers, Wayne Selden Jr. of Memphis, and then Jason Tatum of Boston. That's your second team. It's a pretty good list. It's a pretty good list of guys. <laughs> this uh, this draft is going to be proved to be really deep and it's going to be uh, really awesome to see these guys. And it's, it's, isn't it just awesome to have an influx of talent come into the NBA just to have a bunch of guys, just a bunch of good basketball players coming into the NBA as we're losing guys like, you know, a couple years, but Garnett and Kobe and Tim Duncan and Paul Pierce as these guys are phasing out of the league. Isn't it awesome to have a big, you know, good crop of young guys come into the league. And speaking of which let's get right into it. So this is me having a conversation with Daryl Harris. I talked to him after the game. His team is uh, Team Loaded NC, which is the AAU team that Dennis Smith Jr. played for. He's going to mention Senior, who is Dennis Smith Sr., Dennis Smith Jr.'s dad, obviously. If you didn't put that together. And uh, he just talks about a lot of things. We talk about, you know, Dennis Smith Jr., you know, uh, what's his attitude like? I mentioned that to him. I thought that was, you know, something that a lot of Mavs fans are, are wondering about, especially coming into the draft. Talk to him about... Uh, you know, just what it was like coaching him. And, and I ask him, is the 48-inch vertical legit? So let's get to it. And this is Daryl Harris talking to me at Adidas Uprising in South Carolina last weekend. 
Yo, everybody get up. Everybody get up. Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep and she don't know where to find them. Yo, Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. So I'm here with, uh, with Daryl Harris. He is the coach of uh, Team Loaded NC. He coached Dennis Smith Jr. for a couple years. Tell me, what was it like coaching Dennis Smith Jr.? Did he always jump that high? Man, it was an awesome experience that, you know, we learned a lot from Dennis. Yeah. As Dennis would do things like, i never forget, I love to tell this story. We're in Indianapolis, and uh, Senior, Dennis Senior also coached on this team, and he got mad at him, snapped at him about doing something on defense, took him out of the game for a little too long for my – well, what my liking was, I said, man, we got to put him back in. But Dennis was a little upset at the time. He got back in. He affected the game without scoring. Yeah. No, any more that game. He had, like, 13 assists that game. I was like, okay, this kid can do whatever he want to do. And so, I mean, everybody knows about his jumping ability, yeah. his athleticism. He's a different kind of kid. I love it when he does a little hesitation stop. If he does that, you better watch out what's happening next. But he love the kid, night. great kid, you know, yeah. great kid. Talk, talk to me about his uh, that injury that he has. He had that injury senior year, and then he said that his vertical increased by by eight inches afterwards. Now, is he telling the is he telling the truth in that? Is that, that is that is truthful? <laughs> I think that he must have took a tendon from somewhere else in his body and placed it in that <laughs> knee because he was it. actually jump higher, which is ridiculous already. I mean, the highlight, he became a highlight for Phenom. I mean, sensation overnight. Yeah. But at, when when I I was uh, I was in Orlando on my anniversary, and I was on the phone with Dennis Sr. when they were in uh, Los Angeles, the workout. And he sent me the the 48-inch vertical. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, are you kidding? Like, am I reading this right? So, I mean, the kid is phenomenal, man. Seriously. I mean, he... I really and, and 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 someone could say I'm a little biased. Sure. But but rookie of the year, rookie of the oh, year. Yeah. I mean, he's going to affect the game and and I'm and, and no slight to the guys that's playing he's playing with in the right. summer league. But could you imagine some of the guys like not to mention Dirk or somebody on the wing and he's passing that ball. I'm saying, "Oh my god, he's he's going to average a double-double easy." I mean, easy, easy. easy. And so uh I'm excited. I'll be out in Dallas to catch a few games for sure. There's a there's a lot of questions about his, especially when he's at NC State, like his work ethic and how he plays with teammates and all that stuff. And it's, you know, it's just questions that come up looking at body language and other things like that. Since coaching him, you were coaching him two years. What was that like? Is it is that a problem and ever an issue you guys had? Absolutely not. You know, I, I tell you what, and and this is just being real candid about it. Uh, being at North Carolina State, I think. He's such a winner and such a competitor that, and it's no slight here again to those young men that were on the team with him, but I think just the culture needed to be a little different at State, and they just didn't have that winning mentality. And so that would get him down. And then every once in a while you would see him just try to put the team on his back. But it's a team sport. I mean, even on, on at the highest level, it's a team sport. I just heard um, uh, um, George. Uh, that's going to Oklahoma. He was saying this like, let's face it, 
you want to take that challenge on, but I think that was one of the issues, and I think that's what we saw. Not so much having an issue with playing with teammates and things like that. No, that's not an issue. He's a team player. He wants to win. He's an ultra competitor. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. What's your name? Nick. All right, Nick. All right. So, so you just do like little interviews and. Then- <laughs> I had to leave that last part in there. I just thought that was really funny. Daryl and I just talking and afterwards just meeting up, uh, talking about how I do little interviews. I just thought that was really funny. So Daryl, if you're listening, shout out to you. Thanks so much for talking to me. And uh, there's just a couple things I want to unpack from that. The first sentence, we learned a lot from Dennis. I just thought that was really cool. I thought that as a coach and you hear about the culture of AAU and you hear about how, you know, it's like all about the coaches and the coaches, you know, blah, blah, blah. And now the coaches are, you know, they, uh, you know, make it all about just one player and all that stuff. And just the, the idea that a player can teach, you know, a coach and a team something in return is almost like the idea of, and a lot of you probably don't have this type of experience, or maybe you do in some type of capacity. But for Isaac and I, we've been on missions trips. You know, you know, we both you go to church. We're, we both are, consider ourselves Christians. So we've gone on mission trips to other countries, third world countries to you know, second world countries, you know, other, other countries like that. And, or even just, you know, in a, you know, in a a impoverished area or something like that, where you go and you're thinking that you're going to give them something, you're going to give them a service. You're going to help them out in some way. You're going to do some humanitarian stuff with them. And probably for, for some of you, you've either worked at a soup kitchen or you've done something in your community where you've, you know, done something, something selfless for somebody less fortunate than you. And if you've ever done that and actually interacted with the people that you are serving, you get as much out of it and probably more than, than they do. They get physical needs met, but you get some type of spiritual and emotional needs sort of not met, but just reached. You are reached in that way and you're taught something and you learn something from that. And so not saying that obviously <laughs> not saying that Dennis with junior in this, in this, and anal- it's not an, this is not an analogy. This is not saying that Dennis with junior is, you know, the, the homeless man and that <laughs> Daryl Harris and the coaches of, 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 uh, team loaded NC are like, you know, the guys going to work at the soup kitchen, but just that, that idea of going into a relationship, thinking that you are going to give more than the other person does out of it. And that you end up learning something yourself. It's just an interesting way to, you know, describe a coaching relationship, a teammate, you know, a person that you're serving in that way. And I think that this is, it's going to serve well for Dennis to be on this team. He's going to, he's going to be able to hopefully do what he did at team loaded from what Daryl Harris said and teach these other guys something. And he's going to bring something to the table. And whether that is, you know, just the, the going after it, the athleticism, the tenacity, whether it's just, you know, changing the culture or changing the, uh, you know, changing the culture of one play, you change the culture of one play. And we saw Lonzo do this last night, Lonzo, not in his demeanor, but in the way that he plays just that one pass can change the, the whole team. You throw that quick outlet pass and it just changes the demeanor of the team. And we're not sure what Dennis Smith's thing like that is going to be. Is it going to be a huge monster dunk? Is it going to be a selfless play where he, you know, does does throw a pass to somebody else that maybe wasn't expecting to get the ball in that play? What is Dennis going to do? And this is a question I'm going to be asking all year. What is Dennis Smith Jr. going to do to make this team different? Not stats-wise, but on the court and in the locker room, what is he going to do to make this team different? Because that's the difference between just a good player and a superstar. And obviously, 
there's a long way to go till then. But that's just a question I'm going to be asking this season. And so I like that Daryl Harris started out with saying that we learned a lot from from Dennis. And then the story about how Senior, who is Dennis Smith Senior, got mad at Dennis Jr. for his defense. And that is a thing that we have we've all questioned. We've all questioned about, you know, his defense, what kind of defender is he going to be? You know, he has short arms. We talked about <laughs> to me and Isaac talked about it in the draft profile that that he's a square, and so his, his wingspan is the same as his height, and so is that going to matter? And all this, all these things, and so it was cool to see that when he does get berated for his defense, and this is going to happen, and this was by his dad too, which is a little different than being berated and being you know told no or being sat by you know another coach, a coach that has won you know a, an NBA title, been to finals, been through the playoffs, coached one of the best players ever. When he's when Carlisle sits him down, let's see if he responds the same way that he responded when Senior sat him down. And so he sat, so Dennis Smith Senior sat him down, and then he came back and affected the game without scoring. It was almost like when you're a little kid and your mom says, "Don't do it that way, don't do that, don't do that," and so you do the complete opposite, but just in a completely ridiculous way where you're, you know, that she says, "Don't, don't touch your brother." And you just put your finger as close as you can and just, you know, that's almost like Dennis Smith Jr., you know, affecting the game without scoring in a non-bratty way. Just no way that will actually help the team. So I just thought that, I thought that was an interesting story that he started with that and that he can affect the game without scoring is another thing. It's another quality of a player that is awesome. He's, it's just a really good quality to have in a player, especially in a point guard and a player that is expected to eventually lead this team. And the uh, hesitation stop when he says, you know, the Dennis Smith Jr. is going to have this hesitation stop, this move. And, you know, I don't know if you could hear me in the background. I said he did it last night, which wasn't the Celtics game. It was the game before when he had the huge monster dunk where he just had that little slight hesitation and he dumps it off to somebody else. And he just has this, you know, hesitation in the, in the paint and things are going to happen. Stuff is going to happen because of his athleticism. And another thing we're going to be looking for with a point guard is the, the dichotomy of his decision-making. When he has the hesitation, and it's it's going to be a lot easier for us to do it if we slow video down, and I'm sure I'm going to be doing this with some, you know, a lot of these plays going forward. You slow the play down, he gets the hesitation, and it gives him a second, gives him a split second to make a decision. And what does he do with it? Does he go try to go straight to the rack every single time, which is what a lot of people expected from him coming out of NC State and coming out of, you know, high school, that, are, that people said, he's, he's just going to go to the basket, he's a score first point guard, and that's it. Or... Is he going to find his teammates? Is he going to make the right basketball choice? Because there's a difference between, you know, scoring all the time, doing, you know, doing all that. But it's basically a difference between what James Harden did before he was a point guard and when he was a point guard, when he became a point guard in D'Antoni's offense. Now he's making the right basketball play. Not every time, obviously, but he's making the play now where he's not just trying to rack. He's not doing the Rondo and he's not doing a pre D'Antoni Harden. It's kind of, you know, there's a, there's a, a nice medium between there. And let's see if Dennis Smith Jr. can, can reach that. Then I asked him the 48-inch vertical question. I think it's something that's just going to come up all the time. And we've seen his, we've seen this kid jump, man. He is me and him are about the same height. He might be just a little bit taller than me. There, I have, I don't get that high on roller coasters. Let's let's just be fair with that. And how he said that they must have took a tendon from somewhere else. And I think I've talked about this on this podcast, but there was a a uh, Chris Broussard podcast where he talked to, and the only reason I saw this was because someone shared it and it talks about Dennis Smith Jr. But there's a guy on there that said that he heard from Dennis Smith Sr. And this is now hearsay that they, 
you know, Desmond Jr. has an extra tendon or something. And that's how he healed so fast from his ACL. And so maybe this is Daryl Harris telling us a little bit, <laughs> a little bit about what happened there. They took another tendon. I don't know if that was a hundred percent sarcasm. And if it wasn't, that's fascinating. And I want to talk to the doctor and the surgeon that made that happen and took a tendon from somewhere else because I want them to put that, those in my knees so that I can be dunking, you know, just by walking outside. Then he said he's going to average double-double easy. This is fascinating to me because there was a couple games that it, at NC State where he did, he had double-digit, you know, uh, he had double-digit assists. And it was a couple of those games. And I, 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 gave, I sort of, I sort of was, uh, I sort of talked about it in a negative light because it showed consistency. But I think that that's, that's also something positive that he he has the ability to do that thing he has the ability to get in double digit assists and I don't know about double a double double easy it's super hard to get a double double and I think there was only two players three players maybe last year that got a double double with assists and one of them was the triple double and that's Russell Westbrook that you know it's, it's super hard we've seen you know lots of years where it goes by that nobody gets a double double with assists whether that's they couldn't score enough like rondo or whether that's they just that nobody got 10 you know 10 assists or something that's just going to be super hard to do so i don't know about easy but that's that's really good coming from a former coach that says he is a good passer and that he can potentially and he thinks he will average double digit assists that's just a, a positive sign from from a guy that has coached and been around Dennis Smith Jr way more than we have then the attitude question is he a guy that is coachable? Is he a guy that is a good teammate? And he said it. He's such a winner and a competitor. And at NC State, it seemed to him at least, and he probably watched every single game and was, you know, was rooting for him because that's a, that shows really well for his program and that AAU that AAU team and that squad. Dennis Smith Jr. does well, so he's probably watching them all the time. Dennis Smith Jr. is such a winner and competitor, and the culture at NC State needed to be different. It didn't have a winning mentality. And this is just something we're going to see over and over again. And if Dennis Smith Jr. becomes, you know, a transcendent, like, awesome player, this is a conversation we're going to just have over and over again because people are going to say, how did they pass up on Dennis Smith Jr.? How could they ever pass up on him? And we're just going to keep looking back at that NC State team with Mark Gottfried and say, what happened there? Just what happened? How did that, that college not utilize this player to the fullest? How was that even possible? And then... You know, he said that Dennis Smith Jr., Daryl Harris said this. He said he tried to put the team on his back. It's a team sport. This is another fascinating thing to me. And a lot of rookie point guards sort of fall into this. And a lot of point guards seem to fall into this. And it's a conversation with with Westbrook right now is, is this guy going to be a team player in the sense that he makes other people around him better? Or is he just trying to do everything himself? Where Westbrook and his assists don't necessarily all the time make players better or make play put players in a position to win he sort of creates the creates for them and then puts and then throws the ball to them in a spot where they sometimes can't miss it's 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 very fine line and it's it's kind of subjective in some ways and coaches have said this to me that you know there's a difference between you know just racking up assists and just going for your own assist numbers than trying to make a team better and actually making the right play because a hockey assist is as good as a regular assist but maybe not to Westbrook so if you think about it in that way and if you don't know a hockey assist is when you you know pass it to one guy they pass it to another guy and then they get assists so you get a hockey assist or a secondary assist if you want to call it that so if we see Dennis Smith Jr. getting you know these hockey assists 
Don't hold it against him if his assist numbers aren't in double digits like Daryl thinks they're going to be. Then the last thing is the Paul George quote that he, he tried to say that, you know, you want to take that challenge on. You want to be the one guy on a team. And this is going to be an interesting conversation. If, if Dennis Smith Jr. does become, you know, a transcendent awesome player and he wants to, you know, and other guys want to come play with the Mavericks and they become a super team, <laughs> where do Mavs fans stand? Because they played, you know, don't forget, 2011, how how much hatred there was towards that super team of LeBron and Wade and Bosh. Don't forget about that. If that ever happens in the near in the future, and it'll be far off in the future, you know, probably five years from now when that could even potentially happen because he'll be a free agent, or maybe even before that. But you know, if that happens for the Mavericks, it's just gonna, we're just gonna everybody's just gonna be looking back and saying, where what did you say when? What did you say when they played it? You know, they played this, you know, super team and you were all against super teams and oh Dirk, Dirk did it by himself. And Dirk was the one that did it. If that happens if that happens with Dennis Smith Jr. where he, you know, is the focal point of a super team or is a secondary player in a super team, just watch out. Watch out where it comes from. All right. So that's what we were talking about with, with Daryl Harris. Good stuff from him. And uh, hopefully we'll be hearing from him soon when he comes to watch some games in Dallas, be connecting with him. And then hopefully we'll be talking to Den Smith Sr. Uh, with that connection. So thanks, Daryl, for, for you know talking to me. And uh, let's talk about that, that Reddit post that I talked about. So this is from a Reddit user named Jordan, his real name, which is used in this email. He, sent an, he, has, he has a question, and he wanted to know – and a lot of fans are talking about this because of the the comparison to Derrick Rose is about Dennis Smith Jr.'s landing mechanics. And first of all, the fact that fans and I am, I guess I would be considered a you know a high, <laughs> like a high a high not intensity but a, just a high, uh, a high a highly aware fan. <laughs> I'm like I'm just I'm just a super aware fan where I'm just following all the news and I have some connections here and there. So I'm just you know a, a very very hyper aware fan at this point in my career. So maybe I'll get to the point where I'm where I would consider myself not that, but right now I'm, I'm there. So the the high IQ fan conversations that are having right now, just the fact that fans are talking about landing mechanics is incredible to me. Because 10 years ago, five years ago, is this something that they're talking about? Is this something that fans are talking about? Five years ago, maybe. But 10 years ago, 20 years ago, this is not a conversation that fans are having about, you know, landing mechanics. At least not fans that don't coach basketball or don't, you know, or aren't around the game as much as other people. Man, talking about landing mechanics is is such high IQ conversation to have. And I know that we make fun of fans a lot. We make fun of people with you know, the Sottenham shame, and I don't have one of those today. So if you hate the Sottenham shame, <laughs> you know, got away with this podcast. But I know we make fun of fans a lot, but there are some super smart fans out there. So so kudos to anybody that is having that conversation right now about landing mechanics. So this is what Jordan did. He was concerned about Dennis Jr.'s landing mechanics. And the landing mechanics are when you, you know, jump up in the air, how you land. Basically just what your feet, legs, ankles, what your knees do when you land. And the conversation comes up because we've seen – Guys like Derrick Rose land in the wrong way, have bad landing mechanics, and they just it crumbles under them eventually. And eventually, something's going to tear. Eventually, something's going to rip. Eventually, something's going to to give out from under them. And we're concerned about this for Dennis because he can get so high up there, and he's already had some. You know, he's already had an injury, and so this this guy Jordan is concerned about that. 
So he said, and he sent this email to Mark Cuban, can we please work with Dennis on his landing mechanics? I want this guy to be the face of the Mavs for the next 15 years, but I cringe every time he lands after a massive dunk. He's CP3 with Derrick Rose's athleticism, and I don't want him to have his career ended like Rose because of his knees. And Cuban just responded, we will definitely work on that. It was straight up. It's from Cuban's account. He has this account that, you know, he will respond to people. And that is how Earl K. Sneed got his job right now. <laughs> he just emailed Mark Cuban, had a good idea, and it, and made it happen. And so Mark Cuban responded to him. And it's awesome that they're going to be working on that. And I think that's definitely something that, uh, that the training staff is definitely, in case he's going to be working on him with him. Just definitely something that's going to be happening. And so I'm sure this conversation will continue. I'm sure there will be more conversations about that. And the final thing that I want to talk about today is this Kalashaw tweet. So the other night during the game, uh, Tim Kalashaw tweeted something that, that let's see, wasn't, it was sort of, it was a knock on the, it was a knock on the, on the Mavericks. It was a knock on, you know, their, their defense. And I just responded. He's, this is what he said. He said, the Lakers are shooting 34 of 24, you know, Lakers, never mind. Lakers are up 34 to 24 after a 10 minute quarter. It may be the summer league, but this team is defending just like the real Mavericks. And so I quoted it and said, Mavs were 10th in defensive rating during the season. Make fun of the right side of the ball. And just making a statement, you know, sort of, you know, sort of getting at Tim Kalashaw there. But, you know, the fact that the Mavericks were like a very good and above average defensive team is, first of all, amazing. It doesn't seem like they were, but they were somehow. And it's not about pace. Somebody responded because somebody responded, uh, Tyler Boston, shout out to you, responded, you know, because of pace, blah, blah, blah. Mavs were, you know, really bad at guarding the three-point line, which that part is definitely true. They were very, really bad at defending the three-point line. But the Mavs pace has nothing to do with defensive rating. It's it's about uh, points per 100 possessions. So it, it it gives everybody that that one, that one uh, line of, you know, 100 possessions. So this is how many points that you allow per 100 possessions. So it's not about minutes, it's not about pace, it's not about that kind of stuff. It's just how you, the, the rate at which you defend. And the Mavs were very good at that last year, which is sort of amazing to me because they had Dirk at center a lot, they had Seth Curry out there, they had, you know, Darren Williams was their point guard a lot, Yogi was their point guard a lot, J.J. Barea was their point guard a lot, and they just had these weird lineups. Somehow they defended really well. And so I responded to that, and then there's other people responding, you know, uh, that <laughs> there's a guy that I will not name that just responded that, that, you know, he's an idiot, blah, blah, blah. I can't, you know, he doesn't even know about the team that he, you know, covers and blah, blah, blah. And that he's, you know, doesn't even know anything about this team, blah, blah, blah. And then I said, well, he's not an idiot. He just sort of missed on this one. And so this guy responds, well, I think he's an idiot because he's trying to fire shots at a team. He clearly knows nothing about. And then Tim Kalashaw quote tweets that tweet and says, don't take it quite so seriously. Just a word to the wise. You're wound a little too tight for the Bay Area, which, which is kind of funny. The guy in his bio was from the Bay Area. So, uh, But this conversation to me is more about – so, yes, Tim Kalashaw is a national writer. He's probably one of the be- most well-known you know, sports writers in Dallas and from Dallas. He's on around the horn all the time. And by the way, this guy also responded to that quote tweet from Kalashaw and said, my bad, Tim, you're the best around. You're the best on around the horn. That show is the greatest. And then Kalashaw quote tweeted that and said, pure sarcasm, much better, <laughs> which I really got a, a good laugh out of. This is a conversation of these national sports writers that on around the horn, I was watching it today. I was getting my haircut at sports clips <laughs> and then round the horn was on. It's probably the only time I'll ever watch that show. 
is if it's on while I'm there. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so they're talking about, they talk about all the sports. They talk about, you know, everything. They're talking about tennis today. They're talking about golf. They're talking about all these random stuff, college football still. They're talking about NFL, everything. And the idea that a guy has to know everything about everything about every sport is just amazing. And then there's these guys like me that come up that are, that probably have a lot more time than Tim Galshaw. Now it's not my full-time job yet, but you know, I do have a lot more time to devote to stuff like this. And I focus on one thing. I focus just on right now in my career, where I am as a broadcaster, as a writer, and all that stuff on the Dallas Mavericks. And that's it. I focus on, on that, what everything means for the Mavericks, where they are, their points, their stats, their assists, all that stuff. I focus on just the Dallas Mavericks. Now for me to call something out that he says is interesting because now I am, like a specialist, right? I'm I'm only covering the Mavericks, so my job for me is to just focus on the Dallas Mavericks and to cover that. And for him to know, you know, all this stuff about all these different sports, at what point do specialists like me, and then there's the like the Nate Duncan podcast where he and Danny only focus on not just the NBA, not just one team. They just focus on the salary cap and the the cap moves and that kind of stuff and where the cap is in the transaction game and, and that of the NBA. So you have now specialists of specialized things, <laughs> which is just amazing to me that, you know, now we just keep going down and down and eventually, you know, there's going to be a podcast about one player and there's going to be following one player around watching his Instagram feed, watching his Twitter feed and just following one player. You know, maybe it's Curry, maybe it's LeBron, maybe it's somebody. There's just gonna, there's eventually going to be a podcast, a website, something devoted to just one player, and they're just going to follow that one player around forever. And maybe that's whoever the next Michael Jordan is, or something like that. But the idea of specialists like me and the Tim Kalshaw type writers that write about everything and try to talk about everything, who wins out in that conversation? Who wins out in the long run? Are there always going to be guys that are national that write about everything? Or are guys like me or you know other people that focus on just one specific team and in one specific sport, is that the way of the future now? Are we eventually just going to take over and it's just going to dilute all of the you know the sports writing conversation to the point where, you know what, the only Mavs talk I want to hear is from a guy that only covers the Mavs, or do I want to go to this guy that covers everything? Now there are also there's also this this differentiation between fans. Now some fans are like. And I, we, we saw it when we changed over from, you know, Mavs Fanatic to Dallas Sports Fanatic. They said, I don't want to hear about, you know, Cowboys. I don't want to hear about Rangers. I just want to hear about the Mavericks. And they're solely focused on the Mavericks as a fan. And then there are other other people that are like, this is awesome. This is great. I'm so glad that you guys are switching over to, you know, and, and co- talking about the Cowboys. I love the Cowboys. And you can think about that person however you want. There, <laughs> there's a lot of them. But, you know, it's, it's a differentiation between, you know, fans and now the media are starting to do that because of the availability of, you know, I'm sitting at home right now recording this podcast. I didn't have to go to a studio. I didn't have to go to, you know, Bristol, Connecticut. I didn't have to go to some TV station. I didn't have to go to a radio station. I am here right now. And a bunch of people are listening to me right now. And so what does that mean for the future of broadcasting? And I'm sure a lot of you out there want to get into this field, want to become a broadcaster, want to become a sports writer, and if you do, I'd love to take your questions. I don't have a ton of experience, but whatever you do, I'd love to just have a conversation with you. So tweet me at Nick Van Exit. My DMs are open. And uh, yeah, it's it's amazing where it's going. And I wonder if these specialists like me and like other people are the way of the future. And if eventually there's just going to be, you know, like 
uh, there's just going to be a guy covering the Mavericks, and that's literally all he does. <laughs> and that, and he's like a national type right uh, type person, and there, there's not as many people covering the you know the national landscape because Zach Lowe does it better than anybody. Covers the whole national landscape of the NBA, but it is super hard to be Zach Lowe. <laughs> it is hard. Dave, Dave Dufour and I, who's been on this podcast before, we had a conversation about how many basketball games that Dave watches. It's incredible how many games that he watches, and I wish I could watch that many games, and I wish that I could, you know, devote that much time and become, you know, a guy that does that. But what is the way of the future? Is it going to be you have to be able to cover everything, or is it you're going to have to specialize in one specific thing, one sport, one team, you know, something like that? So there we go. That's the conversation I wanted to have about Tim Cowshaw. It was a little meta because it's talking about this podcast, talking about me, talking about where I am in my career in, in comparison to Tim Cowshaw, which he's you know way more successful than me. But you know that's the conversation that I wanted to have about that. So thank you so much for listening to Locked on Mavs. If you uh, are just tuning in, which I don't know how it's a podcast, but we talked about you know Dennis Smith Jr. winning you know or getting named to the All Summer League squad. We talked to Daryl Harris, who is Dennis Smith Jr.'s AAU coach, about him, his vertical leap, his you know his attitude and all those things. We talked about Jordan's email to Mark Cuban about Dennis Smith Jr.'s landing mechanics, and we talked about Tim Cowshaw and where we're going in this broadcasting thing and where we're going in podcasts and all that stuff. So thanks for listening, and I just want to leave you guys with this. I was going back through some of my old write-ups about Summer League and things like that that I just wrote in my own, my own personal blog, and... I found one, and it was Lakers versus Mavericks, Summer League 2015. And this was the squad, and I'm going to leave you with this because it should give you a lot of of encouragement. (laughs) This should leave you with a lot of hope that this was the starting squad for the 2015 Mavericks Summer League team. Jordan Crawford, Kevin Pangos, Jeremy Tyler, Justin Anderson, and Dwight Powell. Haven't we come so far from that squad? Haven't the Mavericks come so far from having those guys and Justin Anderson and Dwight Powell being the only things and the only players that the Mavericks fans can be excited about? They have come a long way. It is an encouraging time to be a Mavericks fan. Thanks so much for joining us. Please, as always, rate and review the podcast. We really appreciate it. It helps us a lot. And follow me at Nick Van Exit. Follow Isaac at Isaac Harris NBA. Those Twitter handles will be in the description. All you have to do on iTunes is just hit the description thing. There's two links. Just click it. You can go straight to our Twitter pages. Follow us. Talk to us. We'd love to hear from you guys. Also, you know, go on Reddit. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Peace out and boom. <laughs>